Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. So let's get into the head coaches, the candidates. Let me say first off the bat, just what I think I want in a head coach for the Sixers. Um, I have not covered a Sixers head coach search. I've covered a few Eagles ones. And what I think I learned from that, and obviously that's football and this is basketball, but I think the, the philosophy and the principle of what I want in a coach is the same. I think this team needs somebody that is going to come in and be coaching for their life every, like making their legacy now. If you talk about Doc, Doc obviously had a lot of question marks because he hadn't won in a while, all those things. Doc was already a multimillionaire. Legacy was set, probably a Hall of Fame coach or definitely a Hall of Fame coach, I'd say, before he was even hired here. Some of these other coaches we're talking about. Uh, the Bucks coach, he's won an NBA title. Um, Frank Vogel, he won one in the bubble, which you could argue if that's real or not, but he's won an NBA title. I think what this team lacks and what I saw when the Eagles hired Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni is – Doug and Nick were not the top five choices on the general list of guys. They weren't getting the, the initial tweet from Schefter saying they're going to interview Nick Sirianni, right? No one knew who he was. Doug Peterson, the Eagles only interviewed him. And I think a benefit of that is when these guys came in, they were doubted, they had to prove themselves, and they were extremely hungry and ready to go in. And they were extremely just motivated to do a great job. I'm not saying Doc didn't want to win. But Doc didn't need to win. His contract was $80 million whether he got paid or not. What I think the Sixers need, especially with Joel and if James is going to be back, is somebody that is motivated, somebody that is going to come in and be fresh, somebody that's going to come in and do things their way because they have to do it their way. And with some of those retread coaches, that's always my concern with a retread, is that they're just going to come in, and if it works, they'll, you know, if it works, great. If it doesn't, they kind of already have their money and they'll just they'll just leave or get fired and still collect their money. So I do think that's an important quality, and it's why I'm not as big on a Mike D'Antoni or or those type of guys. Mike D'Antoni might be the correct, like, you know, X's and O's basketball guy, but does he really need to come in here and win? How old is he now? He's got to be up there. I, I just he's 72, I, I believe. Yeah, he's Mike 72. I just is he gonna come in here every day and be so motivated to really just dominate and win this title? I don't think so. Whereas guys like Sam Cassell who I do have some concerns about too, this would be the beginning of his legacy. This would be the beginning of him coming out and proving he can be an NBA head coach. So that's kind of where I'm at in general of what I'm looking for. It probably stems from the, I don't know how much head coaches really impact things. Clearly there are things Doc could have done better. And this coach has to be better at some, at, at those things. But from a personality perspective, I'm okay bringing someone in that maybe is going to push Joel and James a little because they themselves really need to win. Yeah, so there are a few guys on the list that I would say I have very little interest in. So right. Budenholzer would be one. I think he's a perfect – again, he's in the Doc Rivers camp where you're going to win a lot of regular season games with him as the coach. He's a good system setter. Offense will flow well. He sets up good defenses as well, or at least has when he had – Brooke Lopez and yeah, Giannis on the team the year, and Drew Holiday, you know, <laughs> yeah, what a, what a job. Yeah. But in terms of adjusting in the playoffs and, you know, being an X's and O's type guy in that sort of scenario, no real confidence in him. I'm with you on the D'Antoni thing. I, I 
look, I have a lot of respect for him as an offensive mind. I think if I were, I could be convinced on him more than I could on Budenholzer just because I have that much respect for, you know, what he's done in terms of changing NBA offenses over his career. But I'm pretty worried that the guy's 72 years old and that just like, how much do you have left to give? Yeah. At that point. I think the fan favorite coming out of this, I would guess, is Nick Nurse. I am not opposed to Nick Nurse. I would say this. As soon as the personnel left Kawhi, Kyle Lowry, so on and so forth, they didn't get shit done on offense. Mm -hmm. That was one of the worst half-court offenses in the league. And it's one of those great examples of how much can you credit a coach for offensive success compared to the personnel? Because we have not seen much inventive from him. Granted, he's been dealing with the team that is basically all wings, no guards, and very few big men. And once Jakob Pertl was in at the end of the season, they made an, another insane trade, which that's more of a Masai Ujiri problem. They at least kind of looked like a competent team at times. But I'd be very nervous that he was essentially Toronto Thibodeau for the last couple of years <laughs> yeah, would be what I would say. I None of those names on that list are like, yeah, that's definitely the guy. I think Nurse is the one that's closest to, all right, I've seen him just do some crazy shit. He's a very good coach that when he's had great rosters has done great things. But I guess Cassell is the wild card. He certainly has a lot of respect amongst the Sixers guys on the roster. He's been hugely influential with Tyrese Maxey. That's kind of his star pupil. I, But I don't know. I Like, I can't sit here and tell you, well, this is how Sam Cassell would run a team, right? Because he hasn't. Any guy who hasn't been a head coach before, that's kind of the hardest thing for all of us to figure out is saying, what does he actually do or what does he want to do? Because even, so for example, if the Sixers had decided or they eventually interview somebody like Dave Yeager, who was on their staff, who he essentially was the offensive coordinator under Doc Rivers, we at least have an understanding of that's what the offense was under him in Philadelphia. He's been a head coach at previous stops. All right, that's the blueprint for what we're going to expect here with the Sixers. Sam Cassell, or you know, you could pick another assistant's name out of a hat elsewhere who hasn't been a head coach before. You're just hoping and praying that the guy basically has yeah. a, a coherent plan. So that's that's the push-pull for me, is that I tend to agree with you that I would like to see more of a new blood up-and-coming coach rather than someone who's been around the block seven, eight, nine times, and we know what they have to offer. But it, it's a risk either way, I think. Well, and if you look at Joe Mazzulla with the Celtics, to perfect example of taking a risk on somebody and then it maybe not mattering is Jason Tatum scores 51 points in game seven. So Joe Mazzulla is in the Eastern Conference Finals. So ultimately, you could go on both sides. You could say on one hand, you want to go with an experienced coach because this is a win-now roster that we both agree, barring you know some type of catastrophic offseason, is probably going to go in the next season as one of the top whatever teams in the whole league and one of the top four teams in the uh in the East. So you want to get someone that's experienced. The flip side is they are a great roster and they are a great team. And if these guys play to their potential, a coach has some time to 
develop a little bit. You don't have to be a Nick Nurse where you're you're playing with uh you know the the deck stacked against you when your best player is Pascal Siakam. Like you're you're not gonna win many games that way. I will say Nick Nurse has the dumbest looking logo hat I've ever seen. For that alone, I would not hire him. <laughs> I, if he walked in an interview with that, I'd be like, nah, it's all good. You can just turn around. Like, I'm not signing my franchise someone who made an end, like a Nick Nurse logo, but that's neither here nor there. What about Cassell? Uh, one more question I had for you about him is I really like the idea of him. I think I'm basing this off of the limited times I've been around him, but also his personality as a player. He seems like somebody that will be fiery, someone that will be motivated, someone will get in players' faces if he needs to. Obviously, what he's done with Maxi is extremely impressive, but also extremely important because if they're going to be picking guys in the second round or having to sign guys out the G League, you're going to have to develop, right? It's like the Eagles now that they paid Jalen. If you're not going to have as many resources, you're going to have to make sure you develop players that aren't high draft picks into contributing players. And the Sixers will have to do that. My concern with, with Cassell would be he was just in the building. So the problems that we don't like about this team, the lack of adjustments, all these things. Now, Doc's making those decisions, but at the same time, is Doc, you know, is Sam Cassell sitting in these meeting rooms and he has the better solution and he's just not saying it? So what would you make of the fact that they would just be promoting from within on a staff that a lot of people didn't like? Well, so I would use this analogy. Or let's make a couple cross-sport comparisons here. Love it. So... Ty Lu was an assistant on Doc Rivers' staff, and mm-hmm. Doc Rivers essentially has said on the record, "Well, Ty Lu was sitting right next to me when we had these collapses, and it's a really stupid thing to say, yes, honestly." Yeah. But Ty Lu has been, you know, revered at times for what he's been able to do in the playoffs. He made some great adjustments on on uh, route to Cleveland's only title in franchise history. Now, granted, he's got LeBron on his team, so Kyrie, you can yeah. make easier adjustments when you have LeBron James, maybe one of the most, maybe the most versatile player in the history of basketball. Uh, but I do think there's something to the idea of it does change when you're in an assistance chair versus the lead chair, right? We see in football a lot. One of the guys I always think of is Wade Phillips, who I thought was just completely out of his depth as a head coach. And you could see mm-hmm. that whenever he got chances there. But historically was a very, very good defensive coordinator. And there are some guys that are built to be in that sort of complementary role. And that's what you need to figure out with a guy like Cassell. Because I do think if you just look at the stuff he was individually responsible for or players that he worked with, clearly – Maxi is a big success story for him and for the organization. And if you look at Cassell as just a generic coaching candidate, he does look like or seem like the kind of guy that would be a good head coach, was a point guard and has to think that was not a overwhelming athlete at pretty mm-hmm. much any point in his career. So had to think the game a lot. And he was always a very crafty type player during his playing days. He's gotten a lot of good reviews from the individual players who have worked with him. So I believe that John Wall, Bradley Beal in Washington, we see Maxi. I'm sure there are guys that in LA were also singing his praises. So all those things are good. And I wouldn't say that him being on doc staff means he can't be a good head coach or that whatever input he was offering he can only offer so much as the assistant because 
the lead guy is the guy who makes the big decisions. So that's not a disqualifying factor for me, but it's okay. something that you'd have to suss out by putting him through the interview process, seeing what he puts up on a, a whiteboard or in a presentation or whatever, however you'd have him interview. And then you figure it out from there. So on top of that, but do you think they would va- like they would uh, get benefit from a new voice? Like when the Eagles promoted, when, when Doug won the Super Bowl in 2017, they continually promoted from within and eventually the good ideas ran out. And I know you just addressed that, but I mean more so when you look at just where they're at, do you think they just need an out of the box, new voice, young guy, or do you think the respect for Sam Cassell is good enough where he could come in and tell them what to do and make changes and not have kind of the same issues that they had before. Well, I think that also extends to what do you do with the rest of the staff? Like if yeah, Sam true. Cassell gets hired as the head coach, is he keeping a lot of these same assistants or does Sam have enough connects that he says, Oh, I'm going to go get this guy and I'm going to go get this guy. Like actually a, what would be ideal. And I, I don't think he would be, they could pull this off, but to get somebody in the mold of a D'Antoni as sort of a first lieutenant assistant mm-hmm. head coach type guy, I think that'd be very valuable for somebody like Cassell, who'd be, you know, maybe Cassell is more of the chew guys out, like firebrand type leader. And then you surround him. Cause that's, that's the other thing about this conversation. You can put somebody in the head coach's chair who might not be, you know, the elite X's and O's guy or somebody who's more of a mystery anyway. And you could say, Hey, we're just going to surround this person with a ton of really creative coordinator types, maybe more of the assistant types that will get head coaching jobs one day. Like that worked in Boston last season where Ime Udoka was more of the, I'm going to bash Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's heads together and call them out in press conferences And then he's got guys like Will Hardy, who's a really good coach for the Utah Jazz now. They way overachieved under him. And then Mm -hmm. Missoula was the other guy who they essentially combined to make up a a complete staff. And so that's it's never just about who the head coach is. You can find ways to round out whatever the strengths and weaknesses of the head coach are or of the assistants for that matter, too. So, I, I mean... They're not necessarily boxed in if they were to hire a Budenholzer or a D'Antoni or whoever it is, but you do have to make very careful consideration of each piece of that staff, I think. One person who's kind of in the middle of this a little bit is Monty Williams. Monty Williams is not 72 years old like Mike D'Antoni, <laughs> um, you know, he's, but he, he's coached and I don't even know if I would say he's failed because he didn't really get a fair shot in Phoenix. He took that Phoenix team all the way to the NBA finals one year. Um, what do you think about him? I like him. I don't love him. Now saying that I thought it was kind of crazy or I was more down on him when Phoenix hired him than a lot of people were. Cause I didn't think he was anything special in new Orleans when he was a, yeah. uh, when he was a head coach previously, but he's, I, I just feel like he's kind of in that doc mold where I think he's with the leadership qualities. I think he's good. I think he's probably more of a, a firebrand type guy. Like he's mm-hmm. been willing to, he, had, and it works both ways. 
he does not have a good relationship with DeAndre Ayton, who it looks looked like they might have to trade him, that they were going to keep Monty Williams. They might end up trading him anyway in Phoenix because he's such an up-and-down player. Yeah, But Monty has been willing to just kind of chew guys out, throw them under the bus. And, you know, Joel has worked with him before. And maybe Joel needs a guy like that who's not going to let him get away with as much, who's going to try to hold him. I hate that word, accountability, because – I think it's so stupid to act like a, a coach's number one job is to make sure professional athletes are like right, ready like to play all the time. Yeah. But maybe there is something to that where they just need a, a louder, sterner guy in the locker room. And maybe Monty's that guy. But look, if we look through his recent playoff past, they had the most embarrassing. If you want to talk about embarrassing game seven losses, the Phoenix Suns, lost to Dallas in game seven last year <laughs> yeah, right. makes the Sixers game seven loss <laughs> a couple of days ago feel like a tightly, tightly contested <laughs> affair. So, yeah, and then they that. also, you know, they have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker and lose pretty easily to Denver in the second round this series. They're up two nothing in the finals against Milwaukee, lose four straight games and lose the championship. So it's not like he has this, spotless track record in terms of postseason success and that's why again I, I think i end up agreeing with you where i would be more willing to explore an outside the box hire because i don't think anybody who's readily available right now is this wartless just pristine candidate that you hire them and it's oh at full steam ahead they're gonna win right. the title i think right. it's a lot of guys that come with different caveats and question marks and we're all going to see. So the outside the box guys, are there any names you think fans should keep an eye on? I looked online for some out of the box names and frankly, the names I found were just ones that are not realistic. One website said Andre Godala could be a head coach. I love that idea a little bit. Udonis, uh, Udonis Haslam, I think it's kind of fun. Uh, it was funny earlier in the pod. You said, have I seen the Rashid Wallace video? And I had seen the one you talked about. There was another one my friend sent me where Rasheed Wallace is like running a drill. And so now I'm kind of in on Rasheed Wallace as the idea of a head coach. But outside of guys that they're obviously not going to hire, what are some names fans should maybe keep an eye out for that maybe you know, or not that you know that they're interested in, but just out of the box assistants or college guys that maybe you think could be of interest? Well, I mean, everybody in Philadelphia is going to ask for Jay Wright. And yeah, oh, that's right. I can't believe we didn't bring him up. Good point. From what I have heard, honestly, I I don't think he really is like jonesing to get back into coaching. Now, mm -hmm. you give him a big enough offer, who knows? And it's I've always been of the perspective there's just a lot to that is outside the box, but there's just a lot to prove when you can't just have more talent via recruiting than everybody else. That's always mm -hmm. one of the biggest changes college to the NBA. I have a well, lot I will of respect. Say he's not exactly, he wasn't like a Kentucky, you know, Villanova was getting good recruits, but they weren't getting, did they ever yeah, get? But even still like they're winning what 30 games a season. They're right. Like in the regular season, I agree with, yeah, they're going to have way more talent than most of the teams they're playing. And like they, you just can, is what I'm saying. It's not a, you're not definitely going to have more talent than everybody else every year. But I would say average season, most teams they're playing, they're overwhelmingly going to be favored mm -hmm. against. So that's always the hard part. He has played a modern style or his teams played a modern style 
kind of long before it even became popular with the multi-guard lineups and spacing the floor and what have you. So I'd be interested to see what he would have as an NBA coach if he ever gets there. Although I heard a rumor, this is like way from like the weirdest source imaginable. I can't. I heard wait. a rumor a while back that he might be waiting for potential San Antonio Spurs job to open up to become the Spurs guy when Pop retires. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's that a weird a, considering their roster is terrible. Yeah, well, maybe if they get Wembenyama, that'll True. make it easier for. Um, so he's one. I know what's his name in Miami. So Chris, oh, the Quinn, Miami coach, Chris, yeah, Chris Quinn, Quinn, the assistant with the who has always gotten pretty strong reviews. Now again, that's on a staff that Eric Spolstra is the guy, and so it's hard to tell. You know how much of this is Spolstra and how much of this is Spolstra yeah. has had. You know, capable lieutenants alongside him. And one of the lessons that I've learned over the years is that sometimes teams will float that a guy is a great assistant as a one is a favor to him, but also because they're just, they'd be happy to get him out of there. Like I, right. there some guys hired over the years that clearly did not pan out and were in over their heads as head coaches compared to when they were assistants. So be careful of who you trust when you see assistant names out there, because that's a lot of, agent politicking and you know handshake deals and favors and so that's we're gonna have what, to go through the background of all these guys to put it put it that way that's why when uh it was initially reported all those names and i i believe they're gonna look into all of them that also is just a list of all the names everybody thought of so i'm sure that there is real interest but now i guess the last question before we wrap this up is you know when they hired brett brown it took what three months or something like that. Do well, you that think... was pretty unorthodox. Honestly, yes, yes, I would yes. not expect that to take that long. Do you think this is going to be, they fired doc because they know who they want and they're going to probably just hire that guy. And this is going to be a relatively short thing or, you know, are we going to do two weeks of this, like multiple interviews, rumors, all those things. I think it's going to take a little bit. And I just thought okay. of a real outside the box name. Well, not that far, but I thought of one that, I would be curious if they give it a shot. Becky Hammond. I had that written down as well. People talk Dawn Staley, which I see. You know, obviously she's from the area, all those things. Becky Hammond's an interesting one. I don't. Well, think I just think like compared to Dawn, and it's not no disrespect to Dawn. It's obviously built a great program, in South Carolina. Becky's already been on an NBA staff. Like she's yeah, had in the WNBA. NBA level experience. That's just a different sort of experience than. You know, again, it would be a landmark hire if they were to make a hire like that. And for Dawn, it's like, obviously, she's got great cachet as a coach and played at a really, really high level. But you don't know what it's like to be in a day-to-day locker yeah. room like that as a as a woman coaching a team until you're there. And so I, I would say... Becky has at least a slight leg up if they went in, in that sort of direction. But I would say, based on the name of candidate, the names of the candidates who are out there, I'd put the chances of either of them being hired at slim to none. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think it's probably going to end up being one of the guys that's in the original tweet. It's going to be not super creative. Not you know, if they hire Nick Nurse, we'll do a pod and be like, oh, I get it, but. We won't be sitting here and going, oh my God, look at this exciting new hire they made and we're learning about him and he's so great. 
My guess is it's going to be a name, a name that we know, and it's going to be the retread type of head coach. Well, to that point, let's end the podcast on this. Gun to your head right now. Who do they hire? I think it's going to be Mike D'Antoni. I, you and I both agree. And this is not like my reporting intel right. or anything, but that would be my guess. I think he checks the most boxes. He's He has a relationship with Daryl Morey. He has a relationship with James Harden. Embiid, I guess, reportedly wanted him uh, before they hired Doc Rivers, if I'm not mistaken. So there's that box. And he checks the he's done it before and you feel confident to an extent handing him over this roster like he you know you talk about becky hammond having experience being in in an nba locker room mike d'antoni has has been in this situation it would not be my first choice but that would be the gun to the head uh prediction on on what i think yeah so we'll see if the uh the first instinct from both of us is correct here yes well we'll also see if we get another emergency pod soon we were thinking maybe friday they would do it but as always, you were you were right to leave a little tea leaf and saying it might be a little sooner. So 